0: So this past week, it's actually been a little bit since I've got to get up here and share, but that's sometimes uh, we need rest. But this past week, I spent a significant amount of time on the couch. Which, if you know me, that is not common, uh, even though my wife says it you know, kind of common. But, <laughs> but about a week ago, after several weeks of, of really burning the candle at both ends, Everything going on with church, everything going on with the business, everything going on with the school that we started and my uh, mother being in the hospital for an entire week, which meant I did the night shift for an entire week with my dad, who requires 24 hours care. My body said, that's it, and shut down. So if you didn't see me last week, that's where I was. The battery just went, (laughs) turned off. And I was knocked down for several days. I mean, I came up with air just enough for Wednesday night when we have kids and students programming. But as soon as 8.01 hit, down I went again. And I thought, oh, this is the week when Henry and Jerry are gone. And what happens on Thursday night, my mom goes back into the hospital which means I have to go back over and take care of my dad. Ask me if the sermon was written. <laughs> Luckily, it was. <laughs> Luckily, I wrote it, I wrote it in the middle of the night, believe it or not. <laughs> but I, I went home, and I crashed. Needless to say, I haven't had that kind of experience in a long time. Actually, believe it or not, yesterday marks the 18th anniversary of an actual car crash I was in. One that I should have died in. And it happened on Salzburg Road down there by that Dairy Queen, you know, the one that a car actually hit. I was driving on my way to homecoming, and this lady comes across a double yellows and boom. Right driver's side. Literally, the car crumples around me. It took an entire year for me to heal. There was no surgery, there was no nothing. But I was down. I was knocked down. And when you're knocked down, you have a chance to think about a lot of things. And I couldn't help but thinking back to like what it was like when I was younger, when I was sick and I was home from school. You may remember this, saltine crackers, ginger ale, Robitussin, Vic's Vapor Rub and the Three Bobs. Bob Barker, <laughs> Bob Ross, and Bob Vila. Every now and again, I would sneak in a little Mori Povich or some Sally Jesse Raphael, but for the most part, the Three Bobs kept me company. Now, where was my mother? Let me watch these things. But the whole premise of entertainment in the 90s was to teach you something. And each Bob taught me something different. Bob Ross taught me what it meant to be creative, to see the forest for the happy little trees. Bob Barker taught me how to be shrewd with my Plinko chips and seize every opportunity. But I think what I've carried with me all these years was the wisdom of what a firm foundation looks like that I learned by watching Bob Vila and This Old House. It's the kind of foundation that is necessary to build on, or in some cases, tear it down to the studs and rebuild it again. So there's three bobs. One represents for me wisdom. One represents for me creativity. One represents for me opportunity. If you've ever heard me pray in the last year, you've heard those three words. And I ask for those things daily. But I also ask for one more thing, and that's courage. Now, it's no secret that we find ourselves in a place today, in the American church especially, where we are in desperate need of some creativity, some opportunity wisdom, and most certainly courage to live out what it means to be the church in 2023 and beyond. It's not easy these days to be somebody who stands for what they believe and represent Christ well. Culture stands almost in complete opposition in many places, and it can really be a test of one's fortitude daily. Perhaps we need to be reminded what good bones look like in this old house. You catch that? All right, we're 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 tracking. Ultimately, so that we can be encouraged to go out there and move forward and do good work. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that Despite all of our flaws, you build us together as a family unit into this living structure that is the church. Your great big plan for the world until you return. We thank you for each other. We thank you for all the ways that we can support one another. We thank you for all of the ways that when we've needed each other, they've been there and all the ways that we need to meet needs both inside this building and outside. But if we're going to do that effectively, we need to have some courage. We need to have some wisdom. And we need to be creative with the opportunities that are presented to us. as you have laid them out long ahead of time. And it's your name we pray. Amen. First, a bit about stones. Stones are essential to building strong structures. Ask the three little pigs. One used straw. What did the middle one use? Sticks. But then the last one used bricks. And when it comes to wolves who are full of hot air, which one stood up the best? The bricks did. Now, when it comes to stones and bricks and those kinds of things, in the building process, there's like three of them that are really important. And each of them performs like a very specific function in the design of a structure so the first is capstone say capstone Capstone. oh come on say capstone. capstone all right this is also known as coping and they are protective stones set along the top of a masonry wall capstones are designed to throw water off the masonry wall to help prevent damage to the wall and are used to create a finished look to masonry walls and provide a smooth foundation for the building to sit on top of. Then there's keystones. Say keystone. keystone. You live in the correct. We 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 passed civics. So keystones are wedge-shaped, and they're usually at the center of a masonry arch, and they're there to evenly distribute the weight down the sides of each, ar- of each arch. And oftentimes, it is uniquely carved. And it adds a decorative touch. This decorative stone is typically more significant than the other stones as it, uh, because of what it does. And last but not least is the cornerstone. Say, cornerstone. cornerstone. Cornerstones were the first. Stone to be set during the building process. Careful measurements are made to ensure that it's square, to ensure that there is proper alignment for the rest of the building. Cornerstones have three distinct characteristics that distinguish them from the other stones that are used. The building orientation where it sits, There's history to the cornerstone. And there's always a celebration when it's put down. And you may pass by cornerstones without ever noticing them. However, you can find a great deal of information about the building that you're in from these inscribed stones. They are often found in historic buildings, homes, and those kinds of things, have you ever walked around our campus and found the cornerstones of Hebron's buildings? Some are easy to find, some are not. But between this week and next week, if you are able to go find all the cornerstones of Hebron, take a selfie with them and send me those pictures, I will bring you a prize next week. So you have capstones, keystones, cornerstones. Every single one of them important. They all play a part. So as we have some of that swirling around in our minds, let's move to what the scripture this morning says a little bit about stones and the church. So jumping in at verse 4. It says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in, sight, in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. To be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture. Now this is a reference to Isaiah 28. There's also places where this is referenced, but specifically this is Isaiah 28, 16. And it says, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame talking about Jesus. You see, God has been in the business of building things this entire time. He's been at work in human history with his plan of redemption and ultimately seeing his kingdom come. And it's no accident that we begin in a garden. Genesis, we begin in a garden. In Revelation, where do we move to? It's a city. From a garden to a city there's building that takes place and stones are involved. God is the master architect and he has set his cornerstone, Jesus Christ, in place so that his kingdom might expand. Taking that is which is undeveloped uncurated or maybe even in some cases needing repair and bringing it to its ultimate purpose verse 7 so the honors for you who believe but for those who do not believe the stone that the builders rejected has become the corner stone it's kind of a weird sentence Because if cornerstones are chosen and precious, and one got rejected, then how did it get chosen? Basically, this is an allusion to the fact that Jesus being the cornerstone is being rejected by those who don't want to accept him as such. And because of that, he becomes a stumbling stone, a rock of offense. This is a direct reference to Isaiah 8, verse 14. It says, They stumbled because they disobeyed the word as they were destined to do. Now, this cornerstone is both one that sets the tone as well as one that stands unequivocally for truth. There are going to be people in the world who not only outright reject Jesus on many different grounds, but there will be those who we know and who we care about that are confronted with truth and turn it aside. This is the reality we must all live with. And this is why it's important for us to represent Jesus well. Because we've been called, in verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. If you ever wondered what the purpose of the church is, it's right there. You have been called out and called to something else. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So, simply put, you have been placed specifically for a purpose. You have been placed creatively, which means that you have gifts that are needed to be shared. You have gifts that are needed to be shared. Are you sharing those with your other stone family members? You have been placed with opportunity, which means that every day that you live, you can make an impact for the kingdom of God. No day is a wasted day. You have been placed with wisdom, which means God knows what he is doing. And then he knows what he wants to do in you, and he knows what he wants to do through you. And he knows what he's doing when he placed all of us here. So many different stones. Look at your neighbor and say, You're a beautiful stone. (laughs) More icebreakers. It is by no mistake that here in this local expression of his enormous kingdom that you were placed. All of your days up until now have prepared you for right here and right now. You have been called out of darkness into marvelous light, now is the time to do something about it. Now, a lot of people these days, inside and outside of the church, they can get down on the church. They can name a thousand things that the church has done wrong, the ways that they've been hurt. And I get that. I've been a part of it. I've launched those accusations, but I'm pretty sure that this old house still has good bones. Look at your neighbor and say, you have good bones. (laughs) More icebreakers. Perhaps we need to take a look at things and do some remodeling. Perhaps in some places we need to tear it down to the studs. I can remember sitting there as a child and wondering, hey Bob, why are you doing that? It's like a lot of effort. Why would you want to rip out that whole bathroom? You see, the wisdom of 90s TV was meant that it was, it was meant to teach you something. But it wasn't until 2023 where I actually caught the wisdom of what Bob was doing. He knew something about that bathroom that needed to be fixed and then went about the process of doing it. Now, I spend a lot of time helping churches in my free time, which is next to none, do this kind of remodeling. And one thing always remains true. Every system that we have for things is perfectly designed to give us the results that it gives us. Every system that we have is perfectly designed to give us the results that it gives us. If you aren't getting the results that you're looking for in your life, then you need to change your system. What's the definition of insanity? doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. The reason why the church has survived this long is because people have used wisdom, creativity, opportunity, and courage to do something new in the generation that needs to receive it. Remodeling is painful, It is costly. And it sometimes does not make sense because things on the surface appear that they don't need fixed. But everything we do, like I just said, is perfectly designed to get the results that we get. And with that, that means we need to own it, the good and the bad. So this is a very pointed question. And it's hard hitting. And it's 9.45 a.m. But I'm asking it. Are you someone who really wants to be the church? Or are you simply a part of the church? There's a big difference between being and Doing? are we getting the kinds of results the kind of results that scripture is looking for us to produce are we producing disciples daily when was the last time that someone started following Jesus And you were a part of it. As long as this old house stands, she will need to be remodeled from time to time to meet the needs of those who are dwelling here and out there. This is why the church is essential. It's God's big idea for us and what we are to be about until He returns. The church is way bigger than just brick and mortar. And it's way bigger than what we do here at Jesus O'Clock every Sunday. It's how you orient your entire life. Being a disciple is not a job title. It's a lifestyle. Lest us never forget, but this was all put in place and set upon Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. May we continue to build with creativity. May we create... May we, maybe we continue to build with wisdom. May we use each opportunity that is in front of us to glorify our master architect. There's a lot of reasons to be down about the church, but she's got good bones. that's good enough for another episode, don't you think? Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge that in many ways we are poor representations of you. And we are sorry for this. We ask for your forgiveness that we might be transformed by the power of your word and your spirit to be the best stone that we can be and be about your business, which is advancing your kingdom until you return. May you give us the creativity to seize the opportunities that are in front of us and the wisdom to use courage to advance forward your purposes. And it's your name we pray. Amen.